Hello, warriors of valor of Christ Jesus. Welcome to the Level Up Podcast. This is about growing your faith. I'm your host, Eric Philpott. My guest today is Dr. Kent Hovind. Uh, Brother Hovind, you are a premier speaker in biblical creation. You have debated now uh, roughly 182 uh, evolutionists and atheists in various uh, platforms, whether it's universities or on your YouTube channel, which is Kent Hovind Official. Um, you also have available an 18-hour DVD series available on your website at drdino.com. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, I know that uh, a lot of folks uh, watch your YouTube channel, and they are able to grow in so many ways when it comes to uh, understanding that the Bible is 100% accurate, and I agree. I want to share a story, and then I want to ask you a few questions. Um, back in 2005, when I got saved, um, I was 100% an evolutionist. My teachers taught it in school. My parents confirmed it. I had no reason to argue with them or even uh, question it. My brother came to the house, and he had this stack of DVDs from a Dr. Kent Hovind. He said, you've got to watch this. It's about evolution, and um, it's not real. And I got offended. I actually got upset because that was my paradigm. That's what I believed, and he was saying that you're absolutely wrong. Well, I did what anybody else would do, and I stuck it in a cabinet and forgot about it. And about a month later, as I'm studying the Word of God, and all these truths are being revealed to me, the Holy Spirit reminded me that your DVDs were in that cabinet. I pulled them out and I actually took my kids and we sat down and started watching that. And in my mind, I was thinking, this is going to be silly and I'm going to be able to, in my own mind, refute all of this. And I will say that that was the first false truth that the Lord removed that was huge. And I thought, if people are lying to me about evolution. What else have had been lying to me about? And so I began to explore truth. So you were a huge catalyst in my early walk, which was uh, back in 2005, January. So this was February, March, uh, when this took place. And I just want to say I'm thankful for your dedication and your perseverance. Well, thank you, sir. Glad I could help. Yes. Well, I know that you used to do a lot of traveling uh, from churches to churches, and uh, the media has changed a little bit. You can get a lot accomplished right here doing what we're doing right now. Oh, oh yeah. I can reach more from Lennox than I can from being out on the road. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't cost as much to travel. But uh, <laughs> right. my, my biggest question, I talked with you when I was there at the boot camp that you did, and Although many people want to debate you and they want to try to prove evolution's wrong, what I see time and time again, especially knowing you now for five years, and I think we've become friends, and I know some of the stuff that you've gone through. You know, in my eyes, it's been some tough stuff. But yet I see you time and time again um, smiling and you're not offended and you're able to just move forward. So, you know, Way back when, when I first got saved and, and became, I guess, uh, knowledgeable that, that you exist and what you're teaching, it was uh, an epiphany to me. 
So for you, this started a long time ago. You know, you were a, you were a teacher uh, teaching science. We were there for 15 years. And then all of a sudden, uh, Holy Spirit got a hold of you at some point, And this became your life. What was, what was going on then that you decided to, to just make your whole life about biblical creation? Well, January of 1989, I moved to Pensacola, Florida. Uh, the neighbor kid came over and said, hey, uh, you're new here in the neighborhood. I'm, I'm the newspaper boy. Would you like to take the paper? And I said, no, we don't have a parakeet. And he, uh, he said, well, if I have an extra one, can I throw it in the yard? Maybe I can talk you into it. And I said, well, sure. So every once in a while, I'd end up with a newspaper in my yard. So I read one, and it said had an article about dinosaur bones found in Montana from 80 million years ago or something like that, typical propaganda. And it just hit me as somebody's got to put a stop to this. So I wrote my first ever letter to the editor in Pensacola News Journal. And I said, uh, these dinosaur bones they found are not 80 million years old. They're probably 4,500 years old. They're from well, those that drowned in the flood in the days of Noah. The earth is not millions of years old. God made it in six days. I forget the, what all the article said. But anyway, they published my letter to the editor and started a war in Pensacola. Here I was, brand new in town, already stirring up trouble. And the atheists came out of the woodwork to write articles back and forth. And finally, this, some students called me from the University of West Florida. They said, look, we're reading all your newspaper articles, uh, your letters to the editor, in our anthropology class. Would you like to come debate our anthropology teacher? I said, well, I've never had a debate in my life except with my wife, and I lose those every time. But sure. So I did my first ever debate. Probably would have been about, I don't know, maybe the fall of two thousand of 1989, I'm guessing. And about a thousand people came and a lot of people came up to me afterwards and said, man, would you share this information on the scientific accuracy of the Bible? Would you come share that with our church? I said, well, sure. Uh, I was working construction, doing uh, building decks and docks and working for a cabinet company. And um, I, I started traveling and speaking a lot. I mean, it just, it just it really exploded. So after about four months, I told my boss, I said, he was a good Christian. I said, I'm going to have to quit. I can't keep up. He said, brother, I'll support you. You need to go do this. And so I don't know if I can point to a particular moment, but I asked Dr. Johnny Pope, who's, you know, Johnny Pope down there in Houston, Texas. His dad, Julian Pope, was uh, taught at our school in Longview, Texas. Okay. I said, Dr. Pope, how do you know God's will for your life? He said, oh, that's easy. He said, you find a need and you fill it. He said, what's the greatest need you can see? I said, I, I think we need somebody to explain all this creation stuff at a simple fourth grade level so everybody can understand it. And you know, most of the guys out speaking on creation are really smart. And when, you, when they get done talking, you say, wow, what did he say? <laughs> That's the last thing I want to do. I want to get it down fourth grade level where I can understand it. Everybody else seems to get it too. So That's my calling in life is to explain the the creation information so everybody can get it. Amen. Amen. Well, it impacted me and my family and we're forever grateful. Uh, we had the intention of going and meeting you for the first time in 2005. We we're going to drive to Pensacola, Florida. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, we found out that, that uh, there was something going on at the ministry and the IRS and you were seemingly, as far as I can tell, under persecution. Now, 
what I remember is you did a video or you did a conference or you were at a church and you were speaking very heavily on the one world order and you were speaking against uh, the, you're mentioning at least the uh, trilateral commission and you were uh, taking us down a, a, what seemed to be a rabbit hole, but it was exposing some things. And I think ironic that shortly thereafter, um, you started having some pretty serious issues in the ministry that ultimately, and, and this is kind of sad, but I didn't know until like 2007 or 2008 that, uh, things went awry. Um, you get busy with life and, uh, and then it was later on. And somebody told me that, uh, Kent Hovind has been in prison for six years. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. What? <laughs> and now for you, you had been going through it for six years. And for me, it was, it almost seemed crazy. Like it was going to be over soon. And, um, but I know during that time, um, you did a lot of good work for Christ. Um, I know that that was very difficult. Um, can you explain basically just kind of what happened um, that, that ended up that way? Well, there are two basic philosophies of life. Uh, there is a God or there isn't. Nobody's thought of a third choice, okay? If there's a God, then he decides what's right and wrong, and he makes the rules, and he gives his creature certain rights. If there's no God, then government decides what's right and wrong. And government decides if you have the right to get married and the right to drive on the car on the highway, etc. So these two philosophies have been at war with each other for centuries. The founders of this country back in 17... Uh, 76, they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain rights. If you get a bunch of guys together who believe they have rights that come from the creator, they don't make good slaves. They will throw the tea in the harbor and start a big war against yeah. the army 10 times their size, okay? Because they think they're defending their rights. So my video number five, I thought I had one here, but my video series, uh, video four, is about lies in the textbooks, and video three is about dinosaurs, but video five is about the dangers of the evolution theory. Uh, the theory is not only stupid, it's dangerous. We teach the kids they're an animal, and then we wonder why are they acting like animals. Mm. And I go through on video five the how evolution theory is the foundation philosophy behind socialism, Nazism, Marxism, communism, the new world order, and I kick every dog as I walk by. And when they came and arrested me uh, with a SWAT team, they said, get every DVD number five you can find. And they mm. got them all. They didn't get the master, by the way, so we kept producing it. But uh, they, they hated the information on there, on DVD number five, because it simply exposes what the founders knew all about, that rights come from the creator. They don't come from government. They come from God. And so this is a great obstacle to their plans for a one world government. You know, pinky in the brain, going to rule the world. There are some people who want to rule the world. Yes. The communists want the whole world to be communist. The Muslims want the whole world to be Muslim. The Hindus want the whole world to be Hindu, you know. Uh, so everybody has their plans to rule the world like pinky in the brain. And so the, the idea that there's a creator is an obstacle to those, to those plans. And so I was teaching on that, that, hey, there's a creator, and it's not government. 
And government, according to our founding fathers, should be limited. Just a couple of things they're supposed to do. Protect us from outside evildoers if an enemy attacks us and punish evildoers inside our borders. They've got a few legitimate functions, but they have gotten way outside the box of what our original founders intended them to be. So that's what I was simply covering, uh, I think, in my simple fourth grade level style, and they hated it. So they took me to trial for structuring. I said, what did I do? They said, five years ago, you took money out of the bank in amounts less than $10,000. That's all they could find on me. Which is the only thing I actually do. choices. Yeah, they used they used drug laws to try to to um, they arrested me under drug laws. I've never taken drugs. I've, I've never tasted alcohol. And I'm 66 years old. Well, so we went to trial, and my attorney said, "Can't don't even give a defense. Don't say a word. You haven't done anything wrong. Let them give their dog and pony show, which they did for nearly two weeks." And then my attorney got up and said, "Folks, the law is very clear." The law says you have to do two transactions in one day under 10,000, but they total over 10,000. Kent never did that. And the judge came down off the bench and and said to the jury, if you find that Kent took out less than $10,000, you must find him guilty. My attorney said, we object. That's not what the law says. Overruled. So anyway, they found me guilty because I did indeed take out less than $10,000. Have you ever taken out less than $10,000 on your bank? It's the only thing I do. I don't have any- <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> anyway, the IRS used that stupid structuring law in the, in the uh, 12 or 15 years after my trial to seize, I think, 1,200 small businesses. They went in and seized all their assets, everything. And they used my case as an example of how they have the right to do that. Congress finally stepped in, I think, last year and said, okay, stop. We're going to go back to 2012 undo all these cases, give their money back. Well, how about let's go back to 2006 when they did mine? Yes. The U.S. attorney that arrested, had me arrested, was in on the trial. After the trial, they put me in prison. The maximum sentence for structuring is zero to six months. And since I'd never been to court on anything, well, a couple of traffic tickets, but I'd never been in, I didn't know where the courthouse was. I should have gotten zero, uh, you know, nothing, slap on the hand. The judge said, Mr. Hovind, your crime is worse than rape. Mm. I'm enhancing 10 years. Give me a 10-year sentence in federal prison for taking our own money out of our own bank. Church money out of a church bank account to pay for church bills. It was absolute insanity. Then the U.S. attorney that had me arrested and did all that, he went down and seized the church property and seized the church bank account. And then he flew to Detroit to have sex with a five-year-old, got off the plane with Vaseline and a doll, and they arrested him, and he hung himself in jail. Just Google John David Roy Atchison. He's the one that seized all the church properties and church bank account, and he hung himself in prison. I don't glory in that. It's sad. But that's the kind of people come after me, and I, there was absolutely no crime. One guy, you know Brady Byram, he investigated my case for 15 months. He lives there in Dallas. He said, Kent, the government broke 100 laws to put you in prison. You didn't break a single law. There's a, he did a whole video series, Kent Hovind is innocent.com. Yes. But anyway, I saw a lot of innocent people in the Bible went to prison or were executed or crucified like Jesus, you know. So I just, okay, I'm in prison. So I wrote 37 books and earned two more doctor's degrees and led 800 men to the Lord. They really tried to silence me. They moved me 32 times while I was in prison, moved me all over the country. That's so dangerous. I mean, just to move one time is dangerous. Well, all the moves are dangerous, yeah. And I was in solitary confinement five times for a month each time, solitary confinement. 
it was a great test of my faith, that's for sure. But hey, God's in charge. And uh, great peace if they which love thy law, nothing shall offend them. So you just keep reading the Bible. Okay, Lord, you're in charge. What's next? What do I do? Like Jeremiah, they threw him down to the bottom of a pit. Okay, Lord, uh, I got a problem here. You know, you, you fix it. <laughs> so, hey, so this is this is really the important thing that I see. Um, so many people, they're, they're serving Christ to the best of their ability and get distracted so easily by a situation or an issue that pops up that, uh, that almost stops them in their tracks. And then here I see you serving the Lord with all diligence. You end up getting wrongfully accused, prosecuted, incarcerated. And then what do you do? It's almost like the, you may not even know this, but it's almost the story of Joseph just being unfolded. You're actually living that out. And, uh, and it's inspiring and should be inspiring for others. My question that I want to ask, and I want to get to that uh, here in just a moment, is what is the key or the secret to sharing the gospel at such a high level at such a great cost? And while you were incarcerated, if I'm not mistaken, this book was generated, which uh, it might be backwards on the film, but it's what on earth is about to happen for heaven's sake which obviously is available on your website at drdino.com. But you spent the time with the Lord and studying scripture. You changed your view on pre-tribulation during that time to a pre-wrath position. And that's pretty significant in in several circles, especially the Baptist circle, uh, where most are are (laughs) pre-trib. They have excommunicated me, brother. I'm still independent, temperamental, fundamental, right-wing, chicken-eating Baptist, but I was, I was raised on the Schofield Bible, and Schofield said it's pre-trib rapture, so you don't dare go against the Schofield Bible. Yeah. I'm sorry, he is wrong. We're here for the tribulation. I covered that last night on our YouTube. It should be posted by now, Kent Hovind Official. Uh, so yesterday's uh, YouTube uh, is on that topic. On the judgment. On the judgment to come. We're here for the tribulation. We get raptured out after the tribulation. If anybody's still alive, we'd be raptured out. And it's going to start really soon, I predict. Yeah, I, I had uh, somebody on the podcast just a couple of days ago. His name is Rick uh, Brenniger. He's a columnist and writer for End Time Magazine. And he showed some things in last month's article that are going to come to pass that are scriptural. But the one thing he said was that we're going to break the nuclear treaty with Russia last month that would be the first kind of a catalyst to this series of events that would take place it was very interesting talking with him because what happened friday uh president trump pulled out from the nuclear treaty with uh with russia and i think if i'm not mistaken we're kind of at a cold war status with them right now as far as nuclear talks um so yeah it's i think closer than we think and we're gonna see some of it i think it's uh, pretty amazing that during that time that you were incarcerated, and it was just over nine years, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? I was in prison, actually, just under nine years, but counting probation and once they, get, once they arrest you before trial, I mean, the total length of time was over nine years, uh, over 13 years, actually. Hmm. Yeah. And during that time, you wrote books, um, you saw some things in scripture that, uh, that you didn't see before. And then even though they moved you, did you say 32 times? Yes, sir. 32 times, 
if I'm not mistaken, you established a Bible study fellowship in each one of those prisons as you went through. Oh, yeah. Yep. Led 800 men to the Lord. It was great. God, um, it. Again, but I, <laughs> I understand. And, and praise God, my goodness, um, you shouldn't have to. And most people would not have the spirit that you have going through all that. And then obviously when you come out, uh, there's a little more pain and heartache. But what I see is that you, you come out on, the, on YouTube um, pretty quick after prison. I think it wasn't, it wasn't even a thing back in 2005 and six. I'm trying to remember back now. But no, uh, I, I had never heard of YouTube. I didn't know what it was when I got out of prison. Uh, somebody showed it to me. I said, well, can I do one? I said, yeah, I'll help you. They help put yeah. the camera on me and start talking. So I'm still not sure how it works, but I, I do it every day. Yeah, and you do, you do a good job. It's uh, ministering to a lot of folks. And it's also the debates that you've been doing lately. Um, it's really strong to see that. And it's encouraging that most people should be doing that willingly. So what happens for a lot of folks, and this might be, we'll maybe do one question at a time. <clears throat> considering all that you've gone through, what is, what's the key? A lot of believers will look at situations and, and circumstances of life and they're held back from serving God with everything they got. Now, our listeners know that you have gone through uh, a hell on earth, for the lack of a better term, and yet you continue to come out swinging for Jesus in a, in a, in a respectful way, in a good way. What, what is the key? What can you share with, with, uh, with people that's the key to this perseverance? Because there's too many people that are, that are defeated because of the circumstances. Well, yeah, many are going to quit. You know, Jesus said something interesting in Luke 18, 8. You never hear it preached on. I've never heard anybody preach on it in my 50 years of being a Christian. He said, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Hmm. And the question's never answered, but it's one of those obvious questions like probably not. Is there going to be anybody left serving God? Luke 18, 8. So anyway, um, I, as a brand new Christian, I got a Schofield Reference Edition Bible and started reading it avidly. And I got the whole Bible on record. Alexander Scorby reading the Bible, the King James Bible with yeah. his accent. And I soon learned it was recorded at 16 RPM. And I listened to it. Um, brand new Christian. It, I let him pronounce all the words so I don't have to pronounce them, you know, the, the names and all that stuff. And so I was reading along with my eyes while I was listening with my ears, and you get a lot more that way. And one day I thought, I'm going to try this on 33 RPM double speed. So I flipped it up on 33, and it talked like Mickey Mouse, but I could hear it and understand it. And you could read through the whole Bible in 35 hours. And then I tried it on triple speed, and, you know, 45 RPM. You had to really follow along carefully, but you could understand it and listen. So anyway, bottom line is, as a new Christian, I read through the Bible cover to cover quite a few times, I think maybe 20. And I said, wow, I have a fairly good understanding of the book and the general concept. I've been over it 20 times now, and I was still a teenager. And so I think the whole secret, uh, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. If you just stay in love with the book and read it and do what it says, I'm not doing this for anybody. I'm doing this for the Lord. And so God, he promised you nothing will happen to you that he doesn't allow it to happen. So, okay, Lord, I, I'm in prison now. What do I do? They gave me lemons. Well, let's make some lemonade. You know? so yeah. That's what I did. 
Job was my hero through all of this. Job was a great man. Twice God said he did nothing wrong. God called him a perfect man. That's pretty good when God calls you a perfect man. And so, but Job lost everything. And he went on and served God and God gave him back double everything. Yes. Uh, he was one of my heroes. And Joseph, very unjustly put into prison by his own brothers. Uh, and then he's just went on serving God. Daniel was another one really, a young teenager, sent off to Babylon to captivity, made a unit. Look that one up. And so he, uh, he went on and served God. It can be done. Yes. You're saying that the, uh, the key is knowing the word and trusting no, Soak your brain in the Bible and all the other problems. A great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. That's outstanding. And you talk about offense. And I saw the, uh, I saw the most recent debate that you did uh, with the two gentlemen. I can't remember their names. Hugh and Jake. Okay. Um, it's very interesting the way you conduct yourself. Um, a lot of people, when they get into conversations with folks, they, they almost want to be right and they get offended. I could see it in them for sure. And unfortunately, I've seen it in too many believers where you start to share what the Bible says and they get um, insulted and they get offended. And then they start acting no different than, than anyone else. And uh, there's got to be a key to that because. I saw them trying to push your buttons <laughs> and then obviously they would laugh when you'd say something and kind of dismiss what you were saying, because I think you said it in the video that they were, they were losing the debate, but right. you never took offense. Um, sometimes you would jab as they would jab and it did give some comic relief, I guess, to a tense situation, but you never got offended. What is some advice that you give to folks on how to do that? Keep your you know, head full of the Bible so those verses will pop in and help you stay calm. Keep your eye on the main prize. You know, in any sport, you have a, you have a goal to reach a certain, you know, reach the basket or reach the finish line or something. The other team is going to try to stop you. So you always keep in mind, what are we trying to accomplish here? We're trying to win souls. If I had to plant my yard to feed my family for the winter and half the yard was good soil and half the yard was hard rock, well, I would go plant the good dirt first. And if I get time, I'll go work on the rock. If I don't get time, oh, well, at least I got a crop coming in. Okay. So I don't waste a lot of time on the scoffers like that. I want to spend my time and energy on the people who want to hear. And I, I do that a lot. Yes. Well, you know, once in a while you got to pull weeds or chase birds, but generally you want to spend your time planting corn is, is my advice. Now, if a person is busy digging for diamonds, you got to go through a whole lot of dirt to find the diamonds, a whole lot of dirt. And you can't get mad at the dirt and take your time to you know beat on the dirt and just get it out of the way and go after the diamonds. So those guys, I look at them as they're just, they're in the way for the real goal of getting people saved. I do those debates, not because I, I win them, because that's number 182, and I haven't won any of them to the Lord, but I do it because it helps the audience. The other kids that were here, they were a Russian uh, church youth group here, about 20 teens from Sarasota, Florida, and they loved it. They, they're, they're all going back to public school starting next week, 
and they thought that was the greatest thing ever, and they're going to use this stuff to help them in their public school. Amen. One of one girl was said, "Man, my mom and dad are atheists. What do I do?" I said, "Well, have them call me. Have them watch my videos. I'll help any way I can." But a lot of kids have to face people like this on a daily basis. So I try to do it in such a way that it'll be a model how other people can other people can do it. What can you say? Jesus faced the scoffers all the time, you know, the Pharisees, the Herodians. The Herodians and Pharisees and Sadducees, those three groups, they hated each other, but they hated Jesus more. Right. When he came around, they would unite to fight against Jesus, even though, you know, they had no, no similarities other than a common hatred of him. I guess I do it because I do it because I love the Lord. I love his word, and I'm trying to get that out, and I'm looking for diamonds. They're just the dirt in the way. Just the dirt in the way. <laughs> you had mentioned that there was a group of youth there that, uh, that are taking it back to the public school system. Do you think that we've completely lost the public school system at this point? I don't think there should even be a public school system, which may sound really controversial. There certainly should. This goes back to video number five. Uh, does the federal government have the right to be involved in education? Uh, no. They only have a right to be involved in defending us from outside attack, other countries, and defending, you know, having a criminal system for people to break the laws inside. But the federal government should not be involved in welfare. They should not be involved in education. I would shut, completely shut down the Department of Education. Shut it down. This is a state issue at most. Technically, more of a county or you know community problem. You should educate your kids. Actually, children don't belong to the government. They belong to, to God, and he entrusts them to parents. Government doesn't have any children. They, they, they don't know how. They don't have the equipment to make children. So children belong to God, and they're entrusted to parents, and it's the parents' job to take care of them. Yes. The government has gotten involved in many things, hundreds of things. They have absolutely no business being involved in, none, at the federal level for sure. Now, if the state of Texas wants to say, we're going to have a state you know, school education program, that we maybe should consider that. But certainly, if you read the Constitution, they said the Tenth Amendment, anything not spelled out on this document is left to the states. That's correct. That's okay. correct. Not very many people uh, think like that and don't understand what uh, even state nullification is and uh, haven't for a long time that the states actually have sovereignty. Uh, they can make changes, even though the federal government uh, says one thing, uh, the states have the right to say not here. And we're seeing that with uh, with the legalization of marijuana, for instance. You know, the federal government says it's a no go. It's illegal. And then I think it was uh, either California or Colorado that said first and eh, not here. It's not going to work here. Right. So that just shows and proves the point that the states do have. Uh, sovereignty over the government. So when they say no more prayer in school, it should have been a big not here <laughs> right. from the states. The way the federal government gets around that, though, is with, their, with the pocketbook, with the money. They'll say, if you do this, 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 we will supply you so many billion dollars. And the states cave in. Right. And they'll lose the money if they, if they make too many changes. That, that's how they get control. Yep. It's insane. Well, I happen to agree with you on the uh, on the the public school system. Um, I'm a huge advocate of homeschool and uh, creating co-ops for them as well. So, but the but ultimately it does boil down to the parents. I've, I've likened it to um, the Israelites 
sending their kids off to the Philistines for uh, eight hours a day, five days a week, and then wondering why they come back and they don't worship Yahweh. Right. <laughs> so parents need to be involved for sure. For sure. The, sh- the shooter just if was last week that shot everybody in uh, not the not the El Paso one, but the other shooter just last week up in Ohio. Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, was an atheist and had very proudly on his sweatshirt, no gods. It's amazing how many of these shooters are involved in strong belief in evolution or, or uh, atheism. Like uh, Eric and Di- uh, Eric Klebold and whatever the other guy's name was, Harris in Colorado, they were strong believers in evolution. And they did the shooting on Hitler's birthday on purpose to try to cleanse the race of the inferior species. Uh, they asked Cassa, Rachel, said, do you believe in God? Yes. Bam. Shot her. Killed her. So, um, evolution, I, I say in my broadcast, it's the dumbest and most dangerous religious cult in the history of America. It's a dangerous cult. It's being taught in schools as a matter of fact. And I don't, at, at the... <laughs> Uh, being in jeopardy of being misquoted, I, I don't often do this, but Adolf Hitler said that he alone who owns the youth gains the future. Right. And, you know, it's a it's a future without God in the public school systems and even in our universities right now. And parents aren't aware of that. And they're wondering why their kids are leaving the faith um, because they're they're really being indoctrinated to believe that there's no God and that they're animals. You said that. And they begin to act like animals when they do that. So sadly enough, he also said that uh, if you tell a big enough lie and tell it frequently enough, um, it will be believed. And so they've been teaching this for a long time in the public school systems. Well, and they start to believe it themselves. Mm, true. Very true. Yeah. That it's it's not true. I mean, we're not related to mosquitoes and whales. I couldn't get those guys to see it yesterday. I, 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 they're willingly ignorant. Peter says. I hope people do actually watch that one. Um, it was one of the better debates that I've seen, only because it seemed that you made it so evident, and they could not see it. And it just proves that uh, you can't help somebody who doesn't want help. Right. You know, that's just what it is. Um, I have, uh, really asked that you come on here because, uh, I, I, I counsel with too many people that struggle too much with what's going on in life. And you have, as far as I can tell, um, been able to overcome some tragedy and adversity that most people sadly might've considered taking their life. Um, and I have people that you talk with that they're struggling in such a way because they lost their jobs and, or their families and, um, are destitute and, and just feel like giving up. And I see you having gone through so much and you're just able to come out here and you smile. You're able to debate with folks that are really trying to push your buttons and you're not getting offended. And I think it's inspirational and encouraging for folks to, uh, to spend time listening to uh, what you're talking about. I know that uh, I'm very much interested in it. In, uh, in October, I've talked with Rhonda about setting up for a Ken Hoban conference again in Dallas in October. Okay. We've set those dates for the 18th 
through the 20th. Don't know if you're aware of that yet. If she was able no, to. No, but it sounds good. I'm ready to come. <laughs> but it's going to be good. With all of this, um, for many, even in the comments, I've seen uh, in the Christian community, you really do uh, look like a superhero. But being a pastor, I know that there's some difficult things that we go through that we just don't share with a bunch of folks. Would you be willing to be vulnerable and share the most difficult part of your ministry? A place where you really felt, Lord, I'm, I'm by myself here. Well, I think if you look at Job, he was one of the wealthiest men in the East, which would mean he's pretty wealthy. Those Middle Easterners, you know, got a lot of money. And in one day, he lost everything. He lost all of his cows, his sheep, his camels, all of his servants, you know, his, his kids, 10 kids all died. His wife turned against him. And then his three best friends came and turned against him for 35 chapters in the book of Job. Uh, and through all of that, he didn't sin with his lips, the Bible says. He never cursed God or charged God foolishly. He knew this isn't God's fault. Uh, this is evil people doing this. And so I guess if you learn to follow the book, follow the, the pattern of Job, when things go wrong, if you have to sit down in the ashes and scrape the boils with a piece of pottery, okay. But you don't curse God. You don't get mad at God. Uh, this is all a test. Does the football player get mad at the coach when all the other guys jump on him and tackle him? No. He's going to get a really big paycheck for doing that. Yeah. And so he's thinking about the paycheck. Well, this is worth it. I'm going to run down the field. They're going to tackle me and jump on me. And I'm going to get you know $5 million or whatever they get paid. And so if we look at our great reward, Jesus said, great, you know, that there'll be great rewards. Great is your reward if they persecute you for righteousness sake. So just make sure you're living righteously. Your heart is right with God. And I think it, it was a terrible tragedy for me to go to prison, of course, and see everything just crumble. And then to come home and have my wife divorce me and have absolutely nothing, nothing. I didn't have a pair of socks. And so God just really has blessed and provided. It's been four years now, four years and one month uh, that I've been out and there's still a long ways to go, but people come here and volunteer and help us build things at Dinosaur Adventure Land. It's just, I'm stunned at the way God's working around here. It's just people show up at just the right time. Yes. Skills and somebody will come up and say, Brother Holman, I love your ministry. Here's a thousand dollars or something there. Just, okay. You know, it's just right when we need it. It's perfect. Yeah. God's timing is perfect. And he is yeah. blessing what, what you're doing out there at, at, uh, at Dow Dinosaur Adventure Land. Um, did you actually take people out today on the, uh, the real tour today? The, the group of kids that was here left this morning at nine o'clock. So I spent all morning with them answering questions and talking about what to do. Uh, and then I've been working on a building project, uh, building another cabin. And so I didn't, I didn't get to take anybody out on tours. So somebody, so several other people took the tours today, but I love going out on the tours. They are really fun. It is fun. I encourage people to, to head on out there to Lenox, Alabama. <laughs> get and the certificate. I took the real tour. Yeah. It's, uh, come on. The grandma tour is nice and calm, you know, but the real tour is on the four wheeler and uh, we really, we ride it. Yeah. My wife and I had the opportunity to, to take that with you and it was a blast. And, uh, <laughs> you have a, a command of the word of God. You also have a command of that uh, four wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> well, brother, you, you've got to see some of the new lessons we teach on the tour now. 
it'll blow your mind. God is just really providing some, I get these wild ideas at two in the morning, you know, I eat pizza with peanut butter on it. Then you wake up at two in the morning. Whoa, we got to do that. So one of the lessons we teach is when you drive up to the edge of this cliff, but you can't see that it's a cliff. It looks like it might be a nice hill down. And I say, now, boys and girls, you need to uh, take advice from mom and dad. I'll say, do you know, in 37 states and 15 foreign countries, parents are older than their children. And it's wise to get mom and stuff, you know. Anyway, we, we have a hill. And almost all of them say, yeah, it looks like it's fun because it's part of the tour, you know. And I'll say, well, my dad says I should not go down the hill. Looks like correction, connection, unstable again, huh? There you go. Yeah, we're back. Okay. And so I'm going to listen to that. We've got Bible verses up on a sign right there by this place. And it says, a wise son heareth his father's instruction. I said, kids, I think we should listen to dad. Let's not go down the hill. Let's get out and look and see if dad was right. So we walk up there and sure enough, instead of a hill, it's a cliff. And at the bottom of the cliff, we have a smashed four-wheeler, a smashed golf cart, and a couple of skeletons dressed up in a Hawaiian shirt laying there. <laughs> These guys didn't, they didn't listen to dad. <laughs> That's just one of, we're always trying to improve the, the, what we do around here, the, the lessons and stuff. And just, we're building signs now to go everywhere around the camp to make it even more of a teaching ministry. We want to do what Jesus did, you know, consider the lilies, consider the sparrows, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. We want to use natural things to teach spiritual lessons. Yes. And you guys do a good job out there. I, uh, when I see you talking about it, you light up and uh, you're definitely doing what gives you uh, joy serving Jesus. And uh, I think we should all take a lesson in, in joyfully serving Jesus, regardless of the circumstances. We've all read the end of the book. We know who wins and that's Jesus. And we get to be with him in eternity. And, uh, and we should be joyous about that. We yeah. should. Absolutely. So if you were, if you had the opportunity to, uh, to go back in time, which you don't, but if you did, and you could sit down and talk with the 20 year old Kent Hovind, what advice would you give him? Starting the ministry about to get this thing going. I don't know that I would change a whole lot. You know, I started as a 16-year-old when I got saved and got addicted to winning souls, leading people to Jesus. Uh, I would encourage him to just do that and do it even more. Amen. Uh, that's, that's all that's going to matter, Judgment Day. We've had 65 baptized here now in our lake, Dinosaur Adventure Land. We keep winning souls and baptizing them, telling them, you know, get out there and do the same. We'll get somebody so you would you would recommend to yourself to uh, to even go more all in, all yeah. in. As I've often said, there are without getting too uh, uncouth here, but there are three phases to life. You get born because of what somebody else did. Now you got nothing to do with that. You just get a free gift of life. Then you grow. That takes a lot of work. Then you got to you know eat, sleep, exercise. It takes probably years and years to grow. And then you reproduce, make your own babies. That's probably the most fun activity on earth. So you got those three things, get born, grow, reproduce. Same thing in the spiritual world. You get born again because of what Jesus did, not because of what you do. And you grow because of what you do. Now you got to read your Bible, pray, go to church, work hard, and then you win souls, reproduce. That's spiritual reproduction. And that's just something you want to do all your life. Once you learn how to do it, like, whoa, I want to do this every day. I want to win somebody to the Lord. 
quite frequently I get to do that on the phone because I give my phone number out all the time on my YouTube channel, 855-BIG-DINO, extension three. And I'll answer the phone and talk to the person for a while. And while I'm driving the car, I get to lead them to the Lord. Now we get that all the time. Just a great joy uh, to, to bring people to the Lord. So I think probably what most Christians are missing, it's surprising, brother, now probably 95% of the Christians have never led anybody to the Lord. Wow. It's, it's sad. And you, I see, uh, but that's a high percentage, uh, thinking that that's what we're actually called to do. That's the, the whole purpose. If, if he just wanted us to live godly, he just, when you get saved, kill you and take you to heaven. You can do it a lot better up there, a lot easier to live for God up there without all the temptation. So he leaves us here so we can win souls, and most people aren't doing it. They don't get it. They're wasting their time on things that are never going to matter. For several years in my, in my Christian life, I had a television. For most of my Christian life, I have not had a TV at all. Mm-hmm. I think that I would probably encourage that young Kent Hovind at age 20, just forget it, never get one, ignore it, go on and serve God. Yeah. That's interesting. When I, uh, in, in 2009, I fasted for a month and it was liquids only and included television for that month. And uh, I think it was in September because it was preseason. I thought, okay, football will be back on. I'll watch it. Didn't watch TV for a month. Started watching television again in October. Watched the game or something. And then what would come on on the commercial is a half-naked woman selling beer. And before I didn't see it, but now I wasn't desensitized to it. And I was like, hmm, that's inappropriate. They just thought that in my mind. Right. And the game would come back on like, okay, let's go. And then next thing you know, there was a Viagra commercial and it's two people that aren't even married. And, and it's just like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And we didn't watch TV anymore. And we haven't since then, but it took us about two years to cancel the cable. Cause who does that? <laughs> Finally did it. And uh, pursuing Christ and winning souls. You know, for people that are involved in situations where the circumstance seems overwhelming, if they would just start winning souls, it's one of the only places that I've been able to find where you live in the now and it's about someone else. And even as you're speaking with them, a lot of times the Holy Spirit will minister to you through the very words that are coming out of your mouth. Amen. (laughs) And so... We encourage everybody to get out there and and win somebody to Jesus. Amen. 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 There's a lot of advice that you could give. Um, is there a question that I did not ask that you would like to share with uh, with folks that are struggling to to find their purpose or the the joy of serving Christ? I can't think of one right off the top of my head. Read the Bible, just like he says, pray, stay close to the Lord. You know, when you when he convicts you of something, fix it. See, if you're if you try to stay close to the Lord, he'll convict you. He'll say, hey, son, that's not right. Don't do that. Oh, yes. And you know, you you get you get born once, but you gotta take a bath quite often, you know, every day or several times a day. And so it's kind of that way in the spiritual world. You only get born again once, but your your feet get dirty walking through this world, and you gotta like Jesus did, wash the disciples' feet. You got to have a spiritual cleansing daily. First John chapter five talks about that. So I would encourage people try to keep a clean heart. Amen. Fill fill your head with the Bible, fill your uh, time with influencing others to serve God, you know, work on them. 
help everybody you can any way you can. Um, and keep your heart clean. Yeah. Keep short accounts with the Lord. Right. Mess up. He's like, oh, I messed up, Lord. <laughs> Sorry about that. Forgive me. Yeah. And we'll move forward. Well, this is wonderful. I want to be a respecter of your time. I know that you have probably a, uh, a broadcast that you're going to be putting together tonight. Yes, sir. At, uh, at seven o'clock. So I want to give you time to prep on that. One of the things, and lastly, that we don't hear a lot about, um, we, we talk a lot, I guess, about blessing. He doesn't. We hear a lot about the blessing. It happens. The rationale and speaking logically to the issue. But we serve a supernatural God. And although I love talking with people and debating with people, when I went to Pakistan, being a, I, when I got saved, I was a fundamental independent Baptist and uh, would, would consider myself a fundamental independent Baptocostal now after what I saw in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. I saw God do some supernatural things that uh, as I've shared my testimony with others, I, mean, I believe a lot of this stuff was kind of charlatan and, and trickery when it comes to healing, when it comes to people who are demon-possessed. And uh, we see in scripture that Jesus uh, was casting out demons and people were getting healed. Uh, I saw that in Pakistan more than I saw it anywhere and then came here and began to see it. But uh, has this been a part of your ministry that, uh, that you don't talk a lot about uh, is just the supernatural uh, where God intervenes and comes out of the time continuum and just makes this radical uh, transformation in somebody's life. Have you, have you seen that? Uh, I guess I haven't uh, dealt with that a lot. I'm so swamped with my own ministry. Uh, I I'm willing to be convinced. I'm willing to look at any evidence, but the, the things I've seen of the seven gifts that God promised to give the new Testament church, you know, the healing, the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, speaking with tongues, the easiest ones to fake are the ones that are, that seem to be happening the most. It's pretty hard to fake raising the dead, for instance. So right. yeah, I'd like to see him do those instead or drink deadly poison or get bit, you know, by a rattlesnake. And survive. so I think uh, I, I remain unconvinced so far, but it, I don't fight people who believe those things. I mean, sure. during world war two, we were allies with the Russians and we disagreed with them on a thousand things, but we had a bigger common enemy called Adolf Hitler. So let's unite, fight Hitler when we're done, and we'll go back and fight each other later. But there's a bigger common enemy. There's souls that need saved. We, Christians, Christians split over everything. Yes. We should stop. Yeah, we need, we need unity in the body. And I want to thank you for the time that you spent with me today. Um, you're a, a friend and you're inspirational to many. And uh, I would say be encouraged, but you encourage so many. And I wanted to spend some time with you today, kind of find out what the keys are to that. <laughs> Not only for myself, but for others. And okay. so I pray the Lord will continue to bless your ministry. I look to our conversations, I look forward to our conversations every time we have them. And if you're interested in getting more information uh, and one of the 36 uh, books have been written by Dr. Kent Hoven, you can go to drdino.com. And you can also see his broadcast on YouTube at Kent Hovind Official almost every night. Um, and if you have the time to get out to Lenox, Alabama, you can go to Dinosaur Adventureland and get Amen. yourself the real tour. It's fantastic. Bless you, Dr. Hovind. I pray that you have a wonderful evening and we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thank you, brother. All right. Bye-bye. Blessings to you.
Okay. Stop the recording.